calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. <laughs> Tuesday timeline has returned. I'm Elio. He's Ben. Ben, the DeLorean has taken us to the first pay-per-view of 1989. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too, sir. And I um, I can't wait to talk, to talk about this one because on one hand, I was very, very happy with it. Yeah. And then on, on one hand, um, some of the some of the latter decision making in the later parts of the, the actual rumble match were uh were quite surprising. So I do have some questions for the professor. Um well let, let me ask you a question first. How was your first Christmas? How was little Ben's first Christmas? Uh it was uh it was it was fantastic <laughs> as a matter of fact. I had my own uh I had my own ornament created, and cool. uh, yes, it was it was quite festive. I um. So All right, so we I, we I are enjoyed going myself. To, cool. We are going to get into Royal Rumble '89, but first, I have to go to the movies. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, Ben. So I'm going to the movies. I'm going to go watch this new one that just came out with Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman. It's called Rayman. It came out in December. And I still haven't mm-hmm. seen it. So I'm going to go watch it. Very good. And when I come back, I will have a story all about it. Of course, I'm an excellent driver. Gets me drive slow on the driveway. There's only 28 miles on the odometer since I drove it a week ago last Saturday. It should be more than 28 miles. Hey, what is this? Who is this guy? Raymond is your brother. My brother? I, I don't have a brother. Easy, go connect to them. Of course, I'm an excellent driver. You know how to drive? Yeah. Right now, right now, you never, never touch the steering wheel when I'm driving. Do you hear me? Yeah. Do you hear me? Of course, I don't have my underwear. What? <laughs> Yeah. 
Uh-huh. What happened this past week? Dance with Charlie Babbitt. You want to learn how to dance? Yeah. To dance with your brother? I don't know about you, but I'm starting to feel a little silly. What else did you do? Kiss Susanna. Did you enjoy kissing a woman? I don't know. How was that? Wet. <laughs> Wet? Yeah. <laughs> Dustin no, Hoffman. Tom Cruise. In a Barry Levinson film. I like having you for my brother. I'm an excellent driver. All right, Ben, that was a great movie that I just watched. Rain Man, that was one of my favorites. We can't and do I- this podcast if you're not wearing any, uh, any underwear. It's against my constitution. <laughs> right? But I guess, okay, I'm going to tell you a story. For real, I did go see this movie in December of 88 when it came out. Now, that was oh, 88, cool. I was 14. This was my first year of high school. So grade nine history class and uh, my teacher was so cool. Like she made it fun. So what she did was she's like, all the students with the highest grades in the class, you're all gonna get a special special treat. I'm like, okay. So like I, I was one of the ones with the highest grades. So she said all the students with the highest grades were all going to movies to see Rain Man. So I got to go see Rain Man when he came out. That's that's awesome. And call it work. Indeed. So yeah, that was a that's a fun movie. I really like that one. Yes, it's um it's one it's one of my favorites. Yeah, if I tell you story. You know, sorry. One. Because a lot of movies it, well, at least in my experience that deal with disability. They're very, um, they're very either condescending or like they're too, they're too happy. You know, it's like they take a, they take a turn that's too inspirational. You know, look at me. I'm inspirational because I exist in a disabled body and I despise that. Yeah. This one was much more. Now, granted, there were parts of it that weren't realistic, but, um, but you know, there were so many parts that were. Um, not that I know too much about autism, but they, but they nailed the savant aspect of it with the, uh, with the expertise with a certain subject, um, mm-hmm. you know, and and really being focus on certain things and patterns because if you recall you know he had to have uh fish sticks he had to watch his his show at eight o'clock i think lights out at lights out, lights out at 11 yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> and but, uh, who's on first uh, elio you gotta remember who's on first now exactly and what's on second from Abbott and Costello. I don't exactly. know. <laughs> I love that. Who's on well, first? I don't, that, I don't think anybody awesome. knows unless they watch Abbott and Costello. 
People, go do your Absolutely. research. Go, go look up Bud Abbott and Luke Costello. Please do me a favor. Just go look that up. Who's on first? It's on the YouTube. Watch it. Enjoy yeah, it. Dude. Sit back and laugh. Yeah, do yourself a favor. Learn about history, please. Uh, but I'll, I'll tell you another. I'll tell you a few stories uh, off air um, related to this to the movie. Okay. But, cool. However, now Ben is time to get into WWF Royal Rumble nineteen eighty nine. Local time is 4 p.m. We are in Houston, Texas at the Summit. And it is the second annual Royal Rumble. And you know what I have to say? I don't understand why they had the 1988 to 1992 to 1991 Royal Rumble. Because really, what does the what did the winners get? I don't understand what the winners got. Um. Well, there, there really wasn't anything, but I think I think that was a that was a matter of working out the kinks because right. if you if you remember in the first Royal Rumble, the one that well, I would say the unofficial one, right? So the one that the yeah, no, the seven, the eighty-seven one, yeah, that was the one where the winner would get a championship match. I'm saying like the no, official, I'm... the official, the first official one in '88. I don't understand. I guess right, but but my, but but we're, I think we're saying the same thing. So it's like if the unofficial one had you know a stipulation or something on the line as important as a championship, why didn't they stick with that when they officially yeah, yeah. introduced it in 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 '88? Uh, and then again here in '89, and, and and like I said, if if they had and Jim Duggan won, we wouldn't have had that WrestleMania Four Championship tournament. That would have been so weird having Hacksaw Jim Duggan the heavyweight champion or the challenger to the championship. Well, that would that wouldn't have, in my opinion, uh, you know, knowing wrestling as I do. And I don't pretend you're a scientific wrestling fan. You know, I'm always one of those guys where if I don't know something, I'll happily defer to Elio and then learn about something and then and then talk about talk about it with you the following week. But um but it's it's just the rumble is one of those things where I feel like they should have they should have ironed out the kinks before putting it on. Yeah. Um, you know, as a as a pay per view, you know, mm-hmm. like eighty seven, I I I can understand that because it it wasn't a pay per view; it was a special. So they did that right in that regard. But but in terms of eighty eight, and I would even go as far as to say with this one, 
they missed a couple of things that I wouldn't have put on the air. And we'll, and we'll get into that. And it's not only with the the Royal Rumble match, which is which is the the took up the vast majority of time on this show, um, because it it was an hour and five minutes. Really? Um, yeah. I was a short one. Okay. No, I, um, I was. But, I was. Uh, I was asking. But on this show, like the show itself, uh, the entirety of the show is only two hours thirty four minutes. So okay. the actual match took up a lot of time. Now, now as we go through each match, because we're not doing the traditional highs and low points. But but you're still gonna you're still gonna hear about like I would have mentioned this is a high point or this is a low point. But um there there are just things that I would have done a little bit differently. But uh, this being the third so-called try at a Royal Rumble, I will say that this was the best one yet. Okay. So with that in mind. Uh, we will get into the Royal Rumble from the summit in Houston, Texas. Now, <laughs> I couldn't help but laugh at, okay. at the first one because, first of all, I was so grateful that we were dealing with a match and not not a weightlifting segment <laughs> with um, Dino Bravo. With with Dino Bravo, so. And then the um, you'll forgive me, but the last show we covered, I forget which one we did on the last edition of uh, Tuesday Timeline, but I believe um, the the biggest match on that card in terms of number of people um, involved the Hart Foundation and the Rougeaus. Oh, and Survivor, we, Survivor, Survivor Series '88. Yes. So within within that match, uh, the Hart Foundation and the Rougeaus had an issue with each other, and mm-hmm. this match played into that perfectly. Now again, mm-hmm. you know, this is gonna sound like I'm bitching and complaining, but I I'm really not. I just I just I just want to bring this up. I'm not sure what the point was of having it be international rules. And for those of you that don't know, at this point in time in in 1989, what international rules meant was was a two out of three falls match. Now, why they couldn't just say two out of three falls match, I don't know. So, sorry, before you get into this, because I just noticed this now, there were two uh, dark matches before the show. They had we had Jim Powers defeating Barry Horowitz and Sam Houston defeating Steve Lombardi. Well, no wonder they were dark matches. God damn. <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, no disrespect, but Jesus Christ. Yeah. And you know, there there was another match on here that uh, when we get to it, and I think you know where I'm going with this. That really should have been a dark match. Mm-hmm. Rather okay. than on the main part, but I think you know where I'm going with it because you're a smart person. Um, <laughs> otherwise, I wouldn't have you as a cause because I don't deal with stupidity. <laughs> but yeah, I, I 
you know, as good as these two tag teams are, especially the Hart Foundation, I I don't really see the point of having this be a um a three out of a two out of three falls match because the formula of a two out of three falls match is so predictable. Mm-hmm. I, I have personally only seen one two out of three falls match that did not go all three falls. So, you know, if if you're not too if 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 you're new to this show or you know just re- maybe wrestling in general, but especially to this show, you know. The the format of the two Asby Falls match is, you know, the one team gets the fall, then the next team, and then the other team gets the next fall, and then, you know, the tiebreaker is the third fall. And it it just becomes so formulaic and stupid that regardless of, of the caliber of tag team or the caliber performer that you have in the match, it just gets very predictable. And unfortunately, that's what happened here. Um, because a lot of this match I was enjoying. And then and then I started getting pissed off because it's like, okay, they're really dragging this out for the sake of uh for the sake of the stipulation. This is uh, now, second. It, it, this is the second longest match on the card. Fifteen forty-two. Well, I have eighteen forty right here. Oh. For for the first match. Because, okay, yeah, so I guess they. For, I guess um, I, I guess they messed it up on this one then. We'll, we'll yeah, go with yours. Well, Based based on the logic that I have written out here on this review, I'm um, I'm willing to trust this one. Um, okay. Now, now the first fall happened when um, Nightheart got a uh, he literally slingshotted himself for a splash, and then Brett followed up with the same thing. And and then Duggan dropped an elbow for the pin to tie. Uh, you know, oh, that was that was actually to tie the match. I should say that this was a a um a a three on three match. It wasn't a, a regular tag match. So yeah, for some reason, man. yeah, they had. So for some reason, Jim Duggan was tagging with the Heart Foundation. And Dino Bravo was tagging with the Rougeau brothers. See, and now, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because at this time, the Heart Foundation and Rougeau brothers were in a program, and Jim Duggan and Dino Bravo were in a program. The USA Canada uh, storyline. Oh, okay. Well, that that makes more sense. Yeah. So, um, so let me back up a little bit because I kind of missed the first fall on accident. My bad. So, um. The Rougeos hit a um a double team move off the off the top rope um for the first pin on on Brett and I don't even it it, it was a basic it was a basic top rope move but it, it almost 
it almost looked like they were setting it up for like a doomsday device because the way that they had them the way that they had them set up you know it, it was one guy on top of the other guy's shoulder so i'm like okay he's gonna doomsday device him but no it, it was it was like he sat the way that they landed it was like the rujo brother was sitting on brett's neck Kind of, kind of like um, Yoko would land when he did his his um his flash move in the corner. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I don't know what they call that, but that that's what led to the first fall. Um, and then, and then this is where the match got um the most interesting because this is where we had the longest stretch of wrestling without a pin being involved. Now, for some reason, the crowd was going crazy for Jim Duggan. Now, I wasn't watching wrestling at this point because I was only six months old, assuming. Um, (laughs) But I never really got, I never really understood why the crowd was so into Jim Duggan. Because his whole lot of patriotism character, he was like the the blue collar, uh, like uh, working class uh, American type character. So they all got behind him with the whole USA and walking around carrying the flag out to the ring. Yes. Oh, and, oh, and then speaking speaking of of that, right? So he usually attaches the the flag to the two by four, right? Yeah, so the, little, the, what, the, the little flag, right? Yeah. Or, or was it the big one? I think it was the big one. Oh, okay. That, I think that was during the entrance, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he um, always did that. Then, what? He always did that. He always used to come out to the ring with the flag like that. Don't touch it too much. Right, right but, the, but my point being was the 2i4 came into play um for for the last fall um because despite them being the face team and even gorilla was kind of funny with this one because you know he's typically so anti-cheating but because they were the face team he was Mm -hmm. almost supportive like um jesse the body ventura was like wait a minute what the hell (laughs) (laughs) if um if uh, the Rujos and, and Dino had done that, you'd be all over them. And right. he was exactly right. But, it, but it, you know, um, Hacksaw hits him with a two by four, and it's all hunky dory with grill on it. It was hilarious. Right. Um, so, you know, once again, I, I don't like going, you know, move by move with these matches. So I'm just, I gave you the kind of outline of it um some some kind of cooler moments outside of the ones that i um described um like i said between the first and second fall that's where we had the biggest uh time period of just wrestling because the first the first Ball came with like less than six minutes into the match. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which I was not a fan of, but given the structure of it, I guess it, I, I understood it. Um, and then for some reason, um, for some reason, they were going for a lot of uh, submission maneuvers, which was which was really weird. And then I had I had and then one more note. Um, I have never seen a crowd go more crazy for an atomic drop in my life. When <laughs> no, I'm serious. When, when, yeah, no, go on. Actually, no, I'm listening. Go on. When Hacksaw hit the um, hit the um, atomic drop. Yeah, hit the on Jacques. The crowd, you know, reacted as if he won the championship or something. <laughs> I'm like, I literally bagged it up. I'm like, did I miss something? And the way uh, Jacques sold it with the facial expressions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shout out to him for that because that was hilarious. Yeah. So that, that um takes care of the first match and. I excuse my our talking because apparently we've talked ourselves nearly into the first commercial break, but I think we right. uh I think, I think we get there in the second one to get yep. into the second one. Um, uh, I actually I know win. for a fact we can because the next match is Rock and Robin versus Judy Martin. For the women's and championship the they, sorry, they gave this one six twenty-four. Well on here, what do you have? I let's see. That's a good question. I have it as six twenty-five. All right. So, so say the same thing. We're right there. Um, but, uh, this match, this match was, uh, yeah, this would have been a little. This, this match was is what we would call if we were doing a traditional uh show or or you know one with the POV fellas. We would call this a low point. Yes, we would. Because it was terrible. And sensational, although sensational Sherry was funny on commentary. Yes. She she, she was the saving grace of this entire six-minute time frame. Because yeah. number, number one, I just, I've always been a fan of Sensational Sherry. I, yep. Whatever role she was in, whether she was with... Um, whether she was with Sean, whether she was with Harlem Heat, mm -hmm. um, whether she was a wrestler, I thought she just nailed every bit of it. Yeah. Um, so, I, if anything, I think she's underrated. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, <laughs> at some point when she, at some point when she said for the end of the match, somebody win. I don't care who. <laughs> I'll I'll kick your ass and win the title anyway. <laughs> Or like, when, when, when her and Jesse were ganging up on Gorilla, yeah, you can leave. <laughs> and, and that was that was so funny because you know how can anybody get mad at Gorilla? But just the you know the interplay between um it between Sherry and Jesse was hilarious. Yeah, because up until this point, I've I've never heard someone take uh, Jesse's side over um. <laughs> gorilla. gorilla, but because they were both in the heel world, it made perfect sense. Yep. For those of you that don't know, Rock and Robin is actually the the half sister of Jake the Snake Roberts. And did you, did um, you, but did this you catch match what? was not very good at all. 
Did you catch what they said at the beginning of the match when she came out? Did I catch? What Gorilla Monsoon said. About her theme. She came out to uh, Sam Houston's theme. No, I didn't. Yeah, Rock and Robin came out to Sam Houston's uh, entrance theme. Oh, she did? Yeah. Yeah, well, I think that's her... I think, I think they're all related, right? Yeah, Sam Houston is her... I think Sam Houston is her brother. Yeah. So that's why girl, when the girl yeah. said that, she was talking about Sam Houston's theme. I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah, that, that so I didn't catch that, but that was that would have been enough a nice touch had I caught that. So um the next match is actually um or the next segment was actually pretty hilarious and, and um pretty entertaining and I don't wanna squeeze it in um in just um a five minute time frame. Um, even though I probably could if I wanted to, but you know, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a good laugh with this. So we're gonna um we're gonna take this opportunity to um to take a, our first commercial break and we'll be right back with the rest of the Royal Rumble nineteen eighty nine. Stay right there. All right, we're back. We continue Royal Rumble eighty nine. Ben, this next segment, <laughs> Ultimate Warrior Rick wins uh, Super Bowl. Super Bowl down. I think what? you nailed it right before we hit record again. What was the word you used? Yikes. Absolutely. I think <laughs> can you can you say that again, but just with a little more enthusiasm. All right. We're gonna get into our next segment, the ultimate warrior and ravishing Rick Rude super post up. Yikes. Absolutely. There we go. <laughs> no, but I, 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 have, I have a question for you, though. So I have a question for you. Yeah. When you were watching this, did your parents walk in? Thank God, no. Because how would you have explained that this to your mom? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, some, some things are just unexplainable. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> <laughs> because, this, you know, but to, but to your point, Elio, like, I'm a wrestling fan, and I don't know why this took place. <laughs> because, you know, last time I looked, Rick Rude was in a feud with Jake Roberts, not Ultimate Warrior, so right. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck this was. Well, that too, that too, but, that was uh, all of 88. Ultimate Warrior, I mean, Rick Room, Jake Roberts, was 88, so now I guess this was his next program. But let, let's let's get it twisted. I'm not, let's not get it twisted. I am not concerned at all about feuds, okay? Now, I don't give a, f it's very important to mention because I don't want to get canceled by, by, Morons on the internet. Okay. Well, cancel no one's gonna cancel us. What are you talking about? We're not canceled. Yeah. I oh I run this is, show. We run this show. No one cancels us. But this, this has nothing to do with anything. If you want to be, you know, you enjoyed this and you thought it was good and whatever, more power to you. Me, yeah. 
I I don't I don't need to see this shit. No, this was boring. This was okay. a, definitely at one point on the show. This didn't need to be on the show. At, at all, because first of all, I don't I don't think the Ultimate Warrior even knew what poses he was supposed to be doing <laughs> based on based on his reactions to the thing. Yeah, Number two. Yeah. Number two, Elio, if you want to get technical about a super pose down where two men are oiling themselves. <laughs> what the fuck? Which, which I'm not interested in at all. When the, when the fine food motherfucker am I watching? When the gentle baked apple fuck was that? <laughs> exactly. And we're keeping every bit of that last exchange in the show. Because that was perfect, but but this is supposed to be a super pose down, right? So this, that means that somebody okayed this to be on the show, which means it's supposed to be some sort of. Can we fire that person? Yeah, well, I'm firing <laughs> Vance and Bruce. I don't give a fuck. I'm firing Vance, Bruce, and Kevin. Goodbye. <laughs> fuck you. Go away. Um, and so far, we got two out of the three to go away. Um, but here, but here, here's the thing. And legitimately, this is the only thing that I can say about it that won't sound incredibly homophobic because this thing was just disgusting to me because I'm not interested. Like I said, I'm not interested in watching two men doing what they were doing. What? So just like, uh, just like no one watched yeah. the WBF in '92. Exactly. And, and you know, but here, here's the thing, right? So why was Rick Rude allowed to pick the poses? I don't <laughs> Who made know. That decision? I don't, maybe because he <laughs> maybe because he actually knows what the hell he's doing where the Warriors know shit. I don't know. Well, I'm the, guessing. The Warriors the warrior's character didn't even know how to speak the English language. That's what I'm talking about. He didn't know shit. I guess that's why Rick Root was controlling which, everything. Which, can I can I ask you a question that, yes, sir. that doesn't have anything to, to do with this segment? Because quite frankly, I don't want to talk about this segment <laughs> anymore because it was disgusting. <laughs> yes, sir. Can we move to a safer avenue of discussion that actually has to do with professional wrestling? Now, hold on. Um, we, we skipped over um, some of the fun parts, and that was the backstage where the wrestlers were choose, picking the numbers for their the Royal Rumble. The, the, no, no, no. Well, no, we didn't skip that. We're going to get to that. But can I oh, okay. Yeah, go ahead. Because I don't want to talk about this anymore. Yeah, no, no, go ahead. Um, What's your question? But, but here, here's here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Given what we just said about Ultimate Warrior, can yep. you explain to me why why do you think the Ultimate Warrior was so popular? Because of um, because of the look, because of his um, body, Vince likes the big guys. Like Hogan Warrior, etc. And do you think the body was it? Because that—that's what it was. Because Vince like 
the, all the giants like Warrior Hogan and all that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's um, why because, because because in the ring he wasn't he wasn't good in the ring at all. He was insufferable. Yeah. And, and this has nothing to do with the pose down. I would rather watch watch Warrior have a pose down like this than Warrior in a fucking match. Trust me. And uh, when we get into the nineties, I I believe it was ninety one. I want to say or ninety two. I gotta find. I want to see if they have this video storyline on YouTube. But the whole Ultimate Warrior Jake the Snake Roberts storyline was uh, it was interesting, but it was weird. Is what I'm well, I mean, but I mean, how do you, how do you have this this guy? And I'm not trying to speak ill of the dead, okay? But we we all we all can safely say that Ultimate Warrior, as a person and as a wrestler, probably not that good of a guy. No. Now later on in his life, when he was dealing with his children, maybe that was a different story. People can change. I get that, but in in the context of wrestling, this is not a good guy. No. Is it is that fair to say? Yeah, and like I no. said, that's that's why he he got over is because of his uh, body and his uh, and he was a big guy. That's about it, and the the popularity yeah, with the because... popularity with the fans. Well, and and I can personally attest to knowing that they were popular with the with fans because I have a friend who has Ultimate Warrior stuff tattooed on him. I I will say I will I will say I I was a fan of the not the guy I was a fan of the character the Ultimate Warrior because like the cool look with the face paint and the tassels and okay quick story. Shut up because don't laugh, okay? Like, see, Ben already okay. starting. Stop it. So, my mom used to work at the <laughs> grocery store like 15 minutes away, right? So, one yeah. day I, I came home from school and I didn't want to stay home, so I went up to the store to visit my friend because uh, the guy that worked in the produce section he was into wrestling, so like we would like hang out, okay? What I did was I jumped on my right. bike. Now, because I was uh, like a fan of the Ultimate Warrior character, I took shoelaces, the fluorescent ones, and I tied them in my arms like the warrior. Oh my god. So, so what so was walk, your mom's reaction to that? I walked in, she rolled her eyes, and I walked into the store with like these shoelaces on my, my back on my arms. Oh my god. <laughs> There we go, Elio the Mark. <laughs> All right. Very nice. Well, okay, hold on. I was like 15 years old. Okay, it's what do still, I know? <laughs> that's, that's old enough to realize you shouldn't be rolling around with, you know, shoelaces on your arm. But whatever. Anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, that is pretty funny. But uh, me, I, I was just never into the warrior character. I, now, granted, granted, maybe I was a little bit too young when he was at his most popular. Um, so his popular I think was on nineteen ninety. I think it was nineteen ninety when right. he was the most most popular. Yeah. 
and and so that should be acknowledged. But being the wrestling fan that I am, I also understand history, and I've gone back and I've looked at um at the Warriors run and a lot of his programs and and matches and things like that, and obviously the stories that yeah. came out about him. Um. Now you see the way you used. You see the way you used to talking to the WWF, like you couldn't understand what he was saying. Well, that was my biggest problem with him. I'm like, what? That that's not how he spoke uh, when he was down in world class or in the other promotions. He actually spoke normal as a Dingle Warrior. You could actually understand what he was saying. Well, I I I almost wish that that he had spoke. At least, you know, I can understand some of the, you know, the supernatural elements and the and the spirit of the warrior and all yeah. that stuff. I mean, when he, when, he, when, when he goes off, that, but, it, but when he goes off in his uh, tangents and like you, know, you can't understand it, what he's saying, it's like okay. But I, I, you know, it was just it was too too much tangents. Yeah. Like you know, yep. it, 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 it um it got lost for me. Um, that was my biggest problem. So yeah, this uh, this pose down was a complete waste of time. So you, did that answer, answer did that answer your question? Yes, you did. All Very right. good. Thank you, Elio. Because God, God knows I couldn't make sense of this by myself. <laughs> hey. okay. Um. Or, or you know, not just not just Ultimate Warrior, but just the pose down in general. Now yeah. the next one, I was excited about uh, the okay. King of we, the we, Ring. Okay, go on, King of the Ring. This was a King of the Ring rematch to determine the king. Uh, we yeah. had. Wait, oh, it was a rematch. Yeah. They already because... had a match before. Well, no, but I'm just saying, like, it was it was King Haku versus the former king in Harley Race. Yeah, but you said rematch. I didn't know they had a match before this one. Well, based on how they stated it, I think it was. Because after, he, after Harley Race, or, I'm sorry, after King Haku won, they were making this huge deal that, that he's still the king. Oh, but I guess because still, he he because he won the match because he put his uh, crown and cape on the line, so it was for the King of the Ring. So had Harley Race won, he would have been king again. But Haku won, so he's still the king because this, I well, believe, was their their first match. Okay, so then let me ask you this then: so what made what made Harley Race king in the first place? He won King of the Ring eighty six. Okay, and then, so the so the actual match had nothing to do with King of the Ring. It was just a one-off match. No, no so it was just a one-off match because Harley Race, uh, Harley Race got injured in this match against Hulk Hogan, so he went. He was off TV. Bobby Heenan needed to find a new king. He found one in King Haku, but then Harley Race came back. He's like, "No, no, what are you doing? I'm the real king." And you go and you bring in some imposter to take my place, and that's where we got the Okay, match. well, well, that makes sense. Okay, 
Because yep. I was I was confused. See, this is why I love having Leo on the show with me because he prevents me from looking like a complete <laughs> fucking moron. <laughs> because I was like, what is going on here? King of the Rain, what are you talking about? This is the Royal Rumble. Why are we doing this yeah. now? Now, now, as a match, I appreciated it as a, um, you know, as a... <laughs> You know, just in a bubble by itself, because you know, how could you not have an appreciation for both of these um, gentlemen? Now, my understanding the the the, the, the one part I loved they were treating headbutts in the middle of the ring. <laughs> yes, that that was that was hilarious. That that was hilarious. So, from doing research before I started watching this. Uh, last night, um, this was toward the end of Harley Race's in-ring career, right? Yes. Okay. And and that being said, this was still quite a professive, uh, quite an impressive performance for, from him, uh, especially especially if he was winding down at this point, because I remember um, seeing some of the matches um, er earlier on in our um, in our Tuesday Timeline um, series here where Ken, where, uh, Ken Patero was in matches where he was winding down and he, he shouldn't have been in there. Yeah, so well, eight, around 87, he was, uh, yeah, he started winding down because they ran that whole... Um, storyline where he was in prison or something and then uh, like uh bobby Heenan like completely forgot about him abandoned him because he was a heel prior to that and then uh, after after his prison stint uh, he returned to the company as a face and feuded with the heenan family okay well yeah and, and just because i have um, just because I really appreciated uh, this match and I knew kind of the contributions of both guys, I'll give this a high point. Now, yeah. as a match, it was decent, but, you know, it, it came off as kind of a throwaway. Mm -hmm. Now, partially, maybe that was me because I didn't understand the stipulation because I was very thrown off. I was like King of the Ring, what? Because I, I knew, because I knew they called Harley Race the King, and I'm like, okay, yeah. but now King Haku, you know, and then uh, and, and then like, uh, what? and then later on, King Haku would feud with Jim Duggan over the King of the Ring uh, title. So, and uh, that's where we get King Duggan, and then of course we're King Duggan feuding with Randy Savage, and we get the Macho King. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's that, which we'll get more into um, as we move down the line. I love this shit. Uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and, and we know this shit. It's just that sometimes with the early stuff, when I'm just a baby, just, you got to help me out. out just a little bit. But don't yes. start saying I don't know this shit because then I'll fucking kill you people. Yeah, so in, any, in, little, any, little, little. in any wrestling sphere, 
in any wrestling test of knowledge, I I could smoke you people. Okay? Little Ben, even that one years old, little Ben Pierce knows more about wrestling than most fans out there. Well, and that's very true. Especially now, you, you dumb fuck. <laughs> now that it's a 35-year-old, you ain't got nothing on me. There's a very small percentage of people that get mass knowledge with me. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> now, that being said, that being said, I, I I did have a have a singular appreciation for that match because because I understand the significance of both those both those guys and I didn't think I'd ever see those two face off against each other. So I was kind of mocking out a little bit. Yeah. Um, with that one. Now, next up, we have. Um, let's the see. Royal Rumble. Yes, exactly. That's that's and, why I said. Um, that's why I said we can't skip over the backstage segments where they're picking their numbers. Well, yes. Oh, and oh, speaking speaking of that, before we get into the the Royal Rumble, let me, there's one backstage segment that um really can't be skipped going into this. So, um, Ted DiBiase is backstage, and yep. he's you know he's he's got the roller, and he's I I forget who was standing by the the machine, but it might have been Sean Mooney, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so he pulls out the number, and, you know, Virgil is taking forever to get it open. He finally does, and he he, he hands it to, um, he hands it back to DiBiase, and DiBiase looks at it, kind of does a double take, and he's like, oh, and, and you know he goes slickster, slickster, slick. <laughs> you know, and um, were you happy with your number um earlier? Oh, very happy, brother, very happy. Uh, yeah, let me have a conversation with you. Um, <laughs> so uh, let's uh, let's have a meeting. So um, Rip just it. within that little. You- let me just say, you only get that kind of reenactment here on Cheesy Timeline from Ben. That was well, well I done. thought I did pretty good. I thought I did pretty good there. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was that was hilarious. That kind of reminded me of, of, the, um, of the segments where Ted DiBiase was in the limo, and then he was yeah. in, in the pool, and yeah, then he was... Those you know. are fun. I'm yeah. sure. There's a little too much chlorine in the pool, don't you think? <laughs> exactly. So I don't, I don't know why, but for some reason, I it just I was getting flashbacks of of that whole yep. situation. So, um... So yeah, so D, like I said, DiBiase he's taking his number and it was like, oh shit, we gotta have a conversation. So that would come, that would come into play later in the rumble, um, which which we'll get into. Um, okay. first of all, we so first of all, we have we have to talk about the numbers that even I drew. 
Go ahead. Exactly. And my number in particular is going to, and Elio's, unbeknownst to me, because I didn't look this up ahead of the time, came into some major play here. Now, you drew number three, and I drew number two. Now, what the fuck I didn't I, had, I, I eliminated myself. What the fuck is wrong with me? No wonder I didn't well, win. Well, and, and I'm, glad, I'm glad you mentioned that because because how stupid d- did that make um, Andre the Giant look? Right, because remember, if you remember, that, that's why the backstage segments that you have to watch them because Andre was like, "I'm going to win the Rumble." Well, and no, he threw himself over the top <laughs> to avoid Damien because after Jake Roberts got eliminated, he threw, yep. he came back in shortly after and threw Damien in there. Yep. At, at which point, at which point, um, I've never seen Andre move so fast because he was running away from Damien like a little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> All due respect to Andre, I'm literally looking up my apologies, but that's what he looked like. Um, <laughs> I did not look like that. No, you, no, it's true, I did. I ran away like a scared little girl. Go on. <laughs> that's exactly what Andre looked like. Um, and then my pick, um, Smash, was actually the first person eliminated. So we didn't do too well. Because, like I said, I drew number two. Uh, so, yeah, we didn't do too well from that perspective. Um, but we kind, of, we kind of knew, in all fairness, that uh, we, were, we were fucked once we realized our picks. Um, but in terms of story, storytelling, this, this rumble was really shaping up to be fantastic. And then, Elio, was it just me, or did you feel like it fell off a cliff after a certain point? At a certain point, I was, I, I, it kind of, it kind of took me out of the match. It was at a certain point okay, that and- I was taken out. Um, you know what it was? After, I want to say, after the whole Hogan Savage uh, segment. Because that yeah. took that that took like uh, a lot of time there. Exactly, that's exactly what I was gonna say. As soon as the Hogan and Savage thing, I got done with um with um Elizabeth in the, in the ring and the uh-huh. hug. Yep. As soon as that was all over with, I was like, okay, yeah. I was I was checked out. Now, granted, I was still watching it because I had to do this podcast with uh with. Uh, you and the, and the audience this evening, and I always take that very seriously. So, you know, but but there were certain aspects of of this rumble that I really enjoyed. Um, you know, like the like the the nuances of having action smash enter at number one and two, and they were really going after each other. This was big at the time because um, I we. No- I, when I was watching this, I, I believe I saw this at my neighbor's house because um, she lived across the street and her dad, like I told you, her dad used to invite me and my brothers over all the time for the pay-per-views. 
So I was watching this, and like I didn't Let me know guess who was. You really liked that guy. Well, yeah, we were. Well, he's known me since like I was like eight years old. Like that's how long uh, they've been living. They were living at on the, my on my at my other address. Very so, cool. so, like this was big because this was my first Royal Rumble, and I didn't know who was going to be number one and number two. So when Axe and Smash came out, like, oh boy. Yeah, I mean, I was I was floored, and yeah. this is why I'm so happy that I don't. I don't really do a lot of research before the show, before we watch these things. Now, for certain shows on the other podcast, on the other, on the main podcast, and for, for also for Wrestling POV, I do do a lot of research um, because that's a lot of, um, that's a lot of reactionary stuff and that's a lot of history stuff that you have to understand in order to have like a deep conversation about, you know, certain aspects of wrestling. Um, and then you got stuff like this, where you really don't want to come in here knowing too much because you'll get zoned out of the match and you'll miss so much subtle interplay between the combatants, especially when there's 30 of them involved here. So, so, you know, by the time Andre comes out, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, well, whoever number three is, they're, they're fuck. Yeah. Because, you know, two on one against demolition, you're just, you're not going to have a good night. And then it's, and then it's Andre and then it's like, scratch that. (laughs) (laughs) I I think Andre will be just fine. Um, and then, um, and then we had um, we had entrants such as Ronnie Garvin at number five. That was like, why the fuck would you insert him at that situation? I guess his I'll, biggest I'll, contract. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you about Ronnie Garvin further into nineteen eighty nine. And then and then Greg the Hammer Valentine quickly eliminated. Cl- 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 Quickly eliminated Garvin. If I could speak the English language, I sound like Andre the Giant trying to cut the <laughs> for, for fuck's sake. Um, so, so Ronnie Garvin's biggest uh, contribution to the Rumble was was tying um, Andre up in the ropes and then untying him. I was like, that was kind of counterproductive. Um, but then, so we move a little bit further. Um, once Jake gets in the ring, um, and I, I'm sorry, I forget his number. Um, um, Jake, let me lift that up real quick for you. He was number seven. Right. Okay. So, so then he came in right after the hammer. Okay. Yes. Sir. So, um, is is that right? Yes. Okay, very good. Uh, so, so as soon as he comes in, Andre becomes singularly focused on him. And it was funny. <laughs> the hammer was trying to get Andre's attention. Like, he's bashing on his back. Andre doesn't give a fuck. He's, 
seemed really focused on uh, on Andre. So it was it was just hilarious. And then focusing means focus on Jake. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And nothing can get his attention off of Jake. It was just it was hilarious. But because of that, you know, Andre is eliminating all these people, you know, and he just looks like a badass. And then to fast forward, he just gets eliminated once once Jake comes back in with Damien. So just to fast forward a, lo- a little bit, just to get you to that point. And then because we only have uh, five minutes left, and I don't want to spend an hour on this when we come back, but we can, I can still get you caught up with with the rumble in the next five minutes or so, and then maybe five minutes when we get back. The important thing that you have to keep in mind about uh, Royal Rumble '89 in particular was that they were very focused on two things: one, at Demolition and Andre. Then you had. Uh, then you had the the mega powers, mm-hmm. Hogan and uh, Savage, and that interplay, which continued. Because remember, remember we said for the last couple of reviews, watch Savage's face when he's when he's dealing with Hogan, and that took a turn. And then the other storyline was um was the Twin Towers. Because they played a major role in the latter portion of the of the rumble once uh, once Hogan and Savage got out of there. So those and are the and things they're, they're, that's right, and they're going to play an even bigger role in the Mega Powers storyline coming up. Exactly. So that's why that's why you really want to take a special interest there. So, so we we kind of already touched on it a little bit, but you you kind of see the first cracks forming in the Mega Powers right here in this match, because Hogan accidentally eliminates um, Savage when he goes to eliminate two other people. It was bad news and Savage. Then they were on the ropes. He went to eliminate bad news and eliminated Savage as well. Right, and so Savage comes back in. He shoves, he shoves Hogan in the back. He's like, "What the, f-? you know?" Yeah, and he is hot. I mean, he looked like he wanted to kill him. I, I you know, you talk about realism and believability. Holy, you know. Well played to Randy Savage in this situation because holy yep. shit. I I thought Hogan was in danger here. Um which made this really fun. And then of course, um, you know, Elizabeth comes in and Elizabeth could defuse a bomb. You know, she, <laughs> right. you know, she should you know, I'll listen to anything you wanna tell me that's what <laughs> <All right. laughs> <laughs> but in all seriousness, she had that kind of class and she had that kind of presentation where you really wanted to yeah, she was beautiful, but she wasn't like a piece of ass. Like you really wanted to have that level of respect and deference for her. 
Um, so I think that played a, a, a large part in her character. And then, and then after that, after the mega powers got out of there, interest in this kind of took a nosedive. I see it. Yep. We'll get it done. Um, and then, um, and then of course, big boss man Hakeem took control until Stud got in there, and then Stud and DiBiase were the final two. DiBiase was trying to um, pay off Stud. That didn't happen. And 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 Stud dumps DiBiase in the lamest ending to the to the Rumble. Like I said, this Rumble had um had the makings of one of the best ever with the storylines that I've previously talked about. But I mean, there was no heat to the end of this thing, and I don't even know why Stud won this thing. When we get back from the break, um. Maybe maybe Elio can educate me on the history of John Stud a little bit because admittedly I'm a little bit off. Um, but with that in mind, we'll be right back. Stay right there. And we're back. And Ben, you had a question for me about Big John Stud. I did. So you asked me why John Stud won the Royal Rumble. Is that correct? Yep. So Royal Rumble '88 had 20 wrestlers. Correct. Yeah, I believe so. So going forward, Royal Rumble would have 30 participants and John Stud was the first wrestler to win a 30 man battle Royal or 30 man Royal Rumble. So that's that was why they gave it to him. However, story behind John Stud. So he competed as the mighty Minton in 1972. He, he, had, he was part of a tag team with Superstar Billy Graham, joined the WWF, WWWF in 72 for one year, teaming with Killer Kowalski as the, as the executioners. Oh, and cool. He, so they added a third executioner, uh, that being Nikolai Volkov under a mask. Then he left uh, WWWF in 73 after losing a championship match to World Heavyweight Champion Pedro Morales on September 12th. Went to Mid-Atlantic, returned to the WWWF in 76, went to AWA and then back to WWF in 82 where he began his feud with Andre the Giant. Oh, damn. So he was a heel from 82 to 86. And then uh, actually he was the one that, uh, do you remember at WrestleMania when Andre uh, put out that $15,000 body slam challenge? Yeah. So John Studd did that in 1982 when he was managed by Freddie Blassie. So he did it first and then Andre did it at WrestleMania. So he retired in 86 and he returned in 88 as a face when he uh, when he dumped uh, Bobby Heenan and the Heenan family on the Brother Love Show. Right. I was reading I was reading about his feud with the Heenan family on yeah. Wikipedia so, of all places. But yeah, so that was on the Brother Love Show uh, where he turned face. 
Very cool. So that is uh, history of Ron Studd. Oh, very good. Well, it that uh, that makes it um, that puts it more into line as to why he was at least considered. Because I was like, what? Yeah, because um, um, for the longest time, from eighty two to eighty six, uh, when they were way out when he retired, he had been uh, feeling with Andre over who the true giant of professional wrestling was. Well, and I think was, the I, th I think the answer was always quite clear, but still. Yeah, and then eighty six is when he uh, formed the the team with uh, Bundy, and they attacked Andre uh, at a house show in Toronto. And that put Andre out and sent him off to film The Princess Bride. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah that so makes sense. that's why they wrote Andre off TV. They had Heenan, I mean, they had Stud and Bunny attack him at, at the house show in Toronto. Oh, very cool. Yep. Well, um, I, I already, um, I, the Royal Rumble was the main event for the show, obviously. Yes. And they actually put it as the main event for the Royal Rumble. And I say that because the previous year it wasn't, and we had a tag team match. And then that was a very that was very weird putting that tag team match as the main event of a show yeah, called was, the Royal Rumble. Yeah, I was I was very thrown off by that when we saw that. Um. So that's all my commentary for um, the Rumble 88. Um, did you 80, have anything to add? You mean 89. Now, Ben, um, before we... 80, uh, uh, yes, 89. I'm sorry. Before, before we sign off, do you are you ready for the next pay-per-view? Yes. Which one is it? Because we are going back to Atlanta City, New Jersey for WrestleMania 5. The Mega Powers explode. Oh man, I can't wait. However, I'm however, up for that. However, however, before that, I I have to send you a video. I want you to watch this because this you you are going to need this for Tuesday's for next Tuesday's show. You're gonna to need to know. You're gonna to need to watch this video to uh, know before uh, WrestleMania five. Okay. Because it involves Savage and Hogan, so. This ties everything up. Okay, very good. I'll in take fact, that in fact, sure. um, in fact, hold on. I think I can send it to you right now. Let me just give me a minute here. Fans, we'll be back shortly. Okay. All right, Ben, I found the video that I need you to watch. Give me a minute. I'm just going to copy the link and send it to you. So I'm gonna share through Messenger. Okay. <clears throat> so get your get your uh, Messenger because I just sent it. Okay. And there it is. Hold on. Let me move you because I gotta expand the screen. So I mean we're not gonna cover this on the on Tuesday timeline, but you need to watch this so it so you can see how it's all it all wraps it wraps everything up. Okay. Um yeah, let me uh oh there it is. It took a second to open. Okay. 
There we go. Yeah, I'll um I'll watch that once we get off the once we get off the yeah. um podcast for sure. And then, and then, then if you if you have to rant, <laughs> you can go off on me and be like, "What the hell? What's going on?" Uh, yeah, but but then again, that might be entertaining fodder for, for uh, WrestleMania yeah. five. Um, yeah, so, so and WrestleMania five, you know what? Okay, I have to ask you, which thing yeah. of WrestleMania? Which thing of WrestleMania four? Um, I wasn't overly impressed, but at least at least I understood they had a purpose for it. Um, but I okay. wasn't. As as a show by itself, I wasn't overly impressed. WrestleMania Five is kind of fun. I I enjoyed WrestleMania Five. I really loved yeah. the, the the stage for WrestleMania Five, and I just really enjoyed the matches. Uh, there were some low points, but it was overall it was just fun. Yeah, um, I'm looking up the the card right now. Um, but yeah, in terms of, in terms of the, the Royal Rumble that wraps up our, uh, commentary, um, I'm super glad that we finally, um, brought back the Tuesday timeline. I apologize that these shows have been somewhat inconsistent, but, uh, between the holidays and, uh, wanting the... Um, wanting our Royal Rumble review to actually fall in line with uh, mm-hmm. the Royal Rumble, this is kind of strategic. But after um, after this one gets released tomorrow, you can expect to find Tuesday timeline on a much more consistent basis, especially and- once especially once we get past, um, you know. Uh, WrestleMania season, and um, I looked up. The, I looked up the movie for next Tuesday, and it's the same one that we just uh, that I just went to see earlier at the start of the show. So there will be no uh, movie to next week. Oh, very be the good. Same well, one. Well, oh, boohoo! You'll have to hear me uh-huh. talk again, and Elio can. However, I I found one for February thirty nine, so I might put that in there in its place. Well, well, that can always work. All right. So is, all that, right. is that is that all we have? I think so. Well, that is it for Tuesday timeline Royal Rumble eighty nine, and the DeLorean is all set up to take us to April the second. 89 in Atlantic City, New Jersey. So, for my co-host, I'm Elio. He's Ben Benson, next to the fans. Thanks for hanging out for the return of Tuesday Timeline, and we will see you again for the for the regular show on Sunday for our Royal Rumble 2024 review. We are back in the present. You do not want to miss that. One of my favorite shows of the year, and God help anybody if they mess this up because i'm sorry folks if they mess up the royal rumble like they did in 2014 2015 i'm gonna have to go on a rant and elio's gonna have to deal with it because i just can't the the royal rumble is too close to my heart i love it so much and i cannot wait to get into the to this week with you guys
This is one week where I absolutely love having a podcast. This and WrestleMania week make podcasting so much fun. We'll see you next time. Rhodes, where we're going, we don't need Rhodes. Rhodes. <laughs>